Amen. Please be seated. You know, we all have a story to tell, and it centers in the person and work of Jesus. Um, thank you so much for um, welcoming Maria and I here in this place to worship together with you. You have made us feel very, very welcome, and we are glad about that. Uh, those of you who uh, haven't met us yet, we're John and Maria, as um, Jen said, and uh, we have served with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship early on in our ministry, and we served a church in New Jersey, and then, as Jen said, 29 years at Harlem Church, and uh, you have helped us feel at home in a place uh, of our lives where we needed to feel at home, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. I'm going to read scripture in just a minute, and when I do that, before I do that, I want to describe what a yoke is. A yoke is basically... A burden. When it's referred to in scripture, it's often a yoke of slavery. It's a yoke of oppression. Uh, a yoke is um, uh, uh, something that's given to help bear a burden as well. A yoke helps an ox bear the burden, especially if there's two ox, oxen, oxen stuck together. Uh, a yoke helps out with that. But also a yoke helps steer helps give direction. So open your Bibles or follow along on the screen, Matthew 11, and I begin at verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, John the Baptist. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he is, has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he, here is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
but wisdom is proved right by her actions. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you'll go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Say it with me now, okay? Come to me. Go ahead. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This chapter contains that familiar, often quoted invitation of our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's truly astonishing. Think of it, a young man just past 30, little known, no great academic credentials, a nobody in the realm of politics or that kind of leadership. Listen to his declaration again. I'll take your tiredness away. I'll restore your soul. It's an amazing claim. And from anyone else, we would scoff. But from the lips of Jesus, it fits. Today, this same invitation from the word of God is given as a welcome relief. And it's given as an opportunity to you and me. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor, who by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is also the counselor, wakes us up to see our need of Jesus and empowers us to live for him. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You've been carrying a load, a heavy load, with an unyielding yoke. I'll give you rest. I'll give you relief. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me Learn from me. That is exactly a definition of disciple. A disciple is a learner. Jesus is inviting those who would listen to him that day to be a disciple of his, to learn from him, to learn about him. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. In this chapter, John the Baptist was struggling with doubt. It was a burden. He needed confirmation. He needed encouragement. In this chapter, those bowed down by the burdens of unbelief and sin 
needed to repent. They needed to know and find a friend in Jesus. They needed forgiveness. Jesus was helping people burdened. He was helping them consider their need and find peace in him. And Jesus is at work to this very day, right now, right here, offering the same. A number of years ago, my radiator hose sprung a leak. As it turned out, I was right near Gary's Automotive, where I have my car serviced. I pulled in and asked if he could fix it. He said yes, but it would be a while before he could get to it. So um, this is what he said to me. Are you ready what he said to me? This is what he said to me. You must have someone to visit. He knew I was a pastor. You must have someone to visit. I'll give you a car. You go visit, and the car will be done when you come back. I said, thanks, Gary. You see, yes, I did have someone to visit. And yes, he was very close to where Gary's automotive was. But I didn't want to go visit him. He was a grumpy old man. Through the years... Through the years, God has given me a ministry to grumpy old men. Now, as of late, that ministry is with more contemporaries of mine. But I have that ministry. Uh, He had just recently come from California to be near his sons. He had to have assisted living. He was at Rest Haven on 32nd Street, not far away at all. I had visited him before because his sons had asked me to do that. It's the kind of visit that was easy to put off on the back burner and then start again Monday. Maybe I'll go see Russ this week. He was a burdened man. He was not at peace. He didn't want to talk. He didn't like to talk. You had to pull it out of him. There I was, finding myself walking down the hall toward Russ's room. But before I finish Russ's story, let's look at the text. Look at these encounters with Jesus because along with Russ, many of us and those we meet each day struggle with the burdensome yokes that Jesus invites us to lay down. Did you understand what I just said? You and I, the people we meet each day, people like Russ, struggle with those burdens, and they need to hear the same invitation that you and I just heard from God's word. Jesus invites us to lay them down. First, let's look at John the Baptist, the prophet. He was bearing a yoke of doubt and discouragement. He was in prison, sidelined, uncomfortable, uncertain, despairing, He was emotionally spent. Jesus refers to Elijah and the prophet, and there's a lot of parallels there between John the Baptist and Elijah. Elijah had addressed the sins of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Uh, It was being used to, to reveal beyond doubt that the Lord is God. Remember, contending with the prophets at Baal, Elijah was used to do that. And exhausted and troubled because of the queen's threats, Elijah ran to the desert and he wanted to die. 
He doubted that there was anyone else alive who served the Lord God. Well, John must have been emotionally spent as well. Remember, he had addressed boldly the adulterous affair of Herod and Herodias. He had fulfilled his main mission. Remember, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He had been arrested, thrown into prison. He was emotionally spent, and he began to doubt. It seemed to John the Baptist that God the Father and Messiah Jesus were allowing some things to remain and new circumstances to come into his life that didn't match what he thought would have been best in an era when the Messiah had come. What he thought was right, what would have been best for him. Have you ever been there? (laughs) God, you're allowing some things in my life that just don't add up. Remember, John had proclaimed back in chapter 3, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And later in verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he'll clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Jesus was obviously doing good. But John must have been wondering, when would Jesus begin the other prophesied part of his ministry? Judgment. Since an evil ruler remained in, ruler remained in power, and he himself was experiencing the hurt of Herod's injustice, John began to doubt, are you the one, or do I have to wait longer? Is there someone else coming after you? Jesus replied, and his reply was packed full with prophecy. Let me read from Isaiah 35. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. It's repeated again in Isaiah 26, in Isaiah 29, in Isaiah 61. A prophecy concerning the coming Messiah and his ministry. John knew those prophecies. Most likely he used them in his preaching for each of those prophecies ends with a declaration of coming judgment. John was waiting for everyone evil to get their due. And it didn't seem like it was happening the way he thought. You see, salvation, not judgment, was the focus of Jesus' ministry at the time. The days in which they and we live are days of grace and mercy. There will come a day when Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. But now is the day of grace, the day of the Lord's favor. And Jesus shared with John the Baptist another beatitude. This one's in chapter 11. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And when his disciples returned with the message from Jesus, I'm confident John spoke once more with boldness to whoever would listen. Let me tell you about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Secondly, we're going to look at the crowds and the yoke of sin and unbelief. Jesus knew the Father's good pleasure, says here. He, beyond anyone else, knew the complete lostness of his creation of mankind. He knew the full extent of where sin had taken us. This passage contains Jesus' judgment on unbelief. The cities mentioned had seen so much of the power of Jesus, of his love and mercy, of his ability, and of his making things right. The measure of light created a measure of responsibility. Can I, I got to say that in a different way. Because they had seen and heard so much, there was a greater weight of responsibility for those cities. I don't want to make us uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm going to, okay? Here, here it comes. We found a church here where God's word is proclaimed with power. And those who hear God's word are brought to a higher standard. Those who name the name of Jesus and then continue to hear God's word proclaimed, if we live no different than the world, we're in trouble. That's what this text is saying, because we've received so much. We wouldn't be any other place, right? But the truth is, because we're here, there's some things that God's going to ask us to do each week that would... His burden is light, his burden is easy, but he's going he's to lay it on our shoulders, and as disciples of Jesus, we're going to be called to follow him. The text says judgment is sure. The text says there are degrees of punishment. Be more, it would be better for, for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you because of what you've seen and heard. The worst sin, Jesus says, is the sin of unbelief. Remember my friend Russ? He was an unbeliever. Hebrews 2 says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So wonderful a salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's more in this text. It's amazing grace. Jesus is filled with praise, thanksgiving, and joy in the Father's will. That God had revealed spiritual truths to those who could not understand on their own. The gospel, salvation. He, he likens it to little children who cannot survive on their own without the help of their parents. They're dependent on their parents. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Before God, we are truly all inadequate. Don't revel in it, in our inadequacy. Don't, don't revel in it. It's a grave condition. These folk were caught, bound, burdened, 
by the yoke of unbelief. Some were, were burdened by the yoke of, of keeping the Pharisees' laws and commands. You know, the Pharisees had hundreds of rules in order for you to keep the Ten Commandments. They came up with hundreds of rules. Some of the folk Jesus was speaking to were burdened by that. Some were bearing the burden of stubbornly resisting the Lord's working in their lives. Brothers and sisters, thirdly, let's look at the Lord's gracious invitation. From the Lord Jesus who is able comes this invitation to the wholeness of life. Notice that it's an invitation for everyone. It's an invitation to come to him. There's a hymn, an old hymn, Come Ye Sinners, and the verse says, Let not conscience make you linger, nor a fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is that we feel our need of him. Our need of him. It's for those who are burdened. He says weary and burdened. Burdened by sin, burdened by the cares of the world, burdened by doubts and fears like John the Baptist, burdened with trying to get ahead, with striving to keep laws to be good enough and all the time feeling inadequate. What a burden to bear. It's an invitation to learn about him and from him. It's an invitation to discipleship. And in just a little bit, we're going to be going through organic discipleship, and that's an exciting opportunity to be growing in our walk with Jesus. It's an invitation to find rest. He brings relief. Literally, he says this to you and me today. I will rest you. I will rest you. To those who come, Jesus provides rest. Take my yoke and learn. His way is gentle and humble. There's a verse there in the middle that I want to unpack for us just a minute, and then we'll conclude. It's around verse 12. I don't know exactly, so if you have your Bibles, look around there. Um, it, it's where Jesus says this, that the prophets were great. They were, they were, they were really good folk. They, um, they, they said, in the future, like Isaiah said it, in the future, Messiah will come. The Lord's suffering servant will come. The prophets pointed to Jesus. That verse goes on to say that John, i got to find it just a minute because it's important. I think it is. Oh, verse 11. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John. So what is Jesus saying about John the Baptist? He's the guy. From Adam and Eve's children on up until John the Baptist, there's no one greater. Why did Jesus say there's no... Surely Isaiah was up there with him, wasn't he? It's got more to do with the message that John the Baptist had to give than any other prophet. You see, the prophets pointed to the one who would come. John the Baptist said, here he is. 
What a privilege. What a joy. The time has come. The Messiah is here. And then the text goes on to say that you and I are greater than John the Baptist. Puff up your chest just a little bit. No, don't do that. You see, our greatness rests in the message that we have, the gospel of Jesus. Because we get to say, not here he is, but here he is, and this is what he's done. He died on the cross for you. He rose victoriously from the grave for you. He sent his spirit to indwell us. We look for that day when he's coming again, when he'll set all things right. Our message is the gospel. And that's why Jesus considers those who would come after John the Baptist, the very least is greater than him, who was the greatest of all. Oh, what a thing. What a thing. I lost my book. There we go. Yes. The least in the kingdom are now greater than John the Baptist, of whom it was said there is no one greater. And we say here is Messiah Jesus. This is what he's done. This is who he is. This is the gospel. Our greatness comes from the message we have to share. How many of you get kind of uptight when you want to, you know you have to share the gospel? Kind of get, am I up to it? This passage helped me understand again that this is a precious thing you and I have been given. Our effectiveness in the, in the, in the kingdom is that we get to share this good news. And my story about Russ, and we'll get back to that in just a second, is about that. Where were we with Russ? So I'm going in 30, you know, it's called something else now. We have always referred to it as Rest Haven on 32nd Street. I walked in. He was on the second floor, assisted living, down the west wing, came to his door. It was closed. I knocked. I'm preparing myself for another conversation about the weather here versus California. Another conversation laden with one-word answers. Another conversation with a man who said, I never needed God. A man caught by unbelief and doubt. A man who left his young sons and his wife years before. A man who messed up his family. A man who was hurt deep inside. I knocked. I opened the door. And there before me, at that moment, when my radiator hose had sprung a leak, was an 80-year-old man sitting on the side of his bed with tears in his eyes, with his mother's Bible open in his lap, being overwhelmed that he knew God couldn't forgive him. He knew for sure that he had done too much. I looked into Russ's eyes and I said, sorry, Russ, I gotta go, I gotta pick up my car. 
I didn't say that. Nor would have you said that. You would have opened the word. And said, this is what Jesus, remember the demoniac who was sent by Jesus? Go home and tell all that the Lord has done for you. I started to share with him who Jesus is to me, what he means to me. We opened the word together. I don't doubt that I opened Matthew 11 and said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I said it before, Russ, the people we'll meet this week, and even ourselves, we need to hear that invitation from Jesus one more time. And then we'll need to hear it again tomorrow. Because we struggle, don't we? We struggle with doubt sometimes, like John the Baptist. We need to know again that our sin is completely forgiven. Within a week, we had the elders meeting in Russ's room. He confessed his faith in Jesus, and God did a great work in his heart. Jesus is a friend of sinners. He alone could take the weight of guilt and shame from Russ, from you, from me. Jesus died so that we might have life. Listen to what he said in John's gospel. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Globally, has God been allowing some things to rise up in our world that don't match what we think would be best? This is a season of war and rumors of war, of disease. And despair begins to rise up and doubt cannot be far behind. Personally, has the Lord been allowing some things to remain in new circumstances to come into your life that don't match what you think would be best? Discouragement and God's uncertainty can begin to, and our uncertainty can begin to mark our days. God's purposes are beyond us, but always for our good. Pastor Trent, a couple, three weeks ago, I'll, this has been ringing in my ears since he said it. Our Father doesn't give stones our father doesn't give stones when we ask for bread he's not going to give us stones his purposes for us are always always good he says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i'm gentle and humble in heart you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Did you catch that? We get to let go of a huge burden, but we get to take up one that's easy and light. That's a daily yielding to him. It's a daily asking for direction from him. You see, it's easy lately to get overwhelmed when we watch the news. When we think about what's going on in the world, we, we start to freeze. But daily, God has something for you and me to accomplish to bring blessing into the lives of others, to be an encouragement, to spread kindness, to, to look into the face of someone we meet during the week and say, uh, how are you doing? And really mean to want to hear the answer, to say, I'll pray for you. Better yet, I'm praying. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray right now. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord, give us strength to obey, a daily yielding to you, to hear your promise, your invitation again that you want us to come to you. And when we come, we will find rest for our souls. Thank you for ministering to John the Baptist years ago in a time of questioning and doubt. Thank you that you do that for us too. Thank you for saving Russ for the ways you worked in his heart. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful. Thank you that there are people that we're going to face in the coming days who need to hear the same glorious gospel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.